Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Joel Bind Show. As always, grateful for you tuning in. I want to dive into the topic of the art of charitable interpretation. So again, this podcast, this is where I sort of get the chance to to follow my my joy and my intrinsic motivation and desire in terms of what what topics I want to cover. And I think in the big picture, it all strings together. All the different shows and different different ideas, right, that I might spotlight. Um, philosophical, psychological ideas. So I do think what I'm going to talk about today does piggyback on the first three episodes, talking about vision for humanity and dreaming big and taking next steps in your own personal development to build new paradigms for humans. Um, when I talk about the art of charitable interpretation, this is more a philosophical philosophical opportunity to riff in the realm of ideas. And I think it can apply to what you've heard in the first three episodes. So anyway, with enough preamble, I really desire to to see a world where there's such high openness and curiosity that people consistently interpret what they hear from someone else in a charitable way. What I mean by that is to have a mindset of, huh, what does that person mean? Or, huh, how can I gain value from what that person said? Or, oh, that pithy statement, how is that true? When is that true? How could that be useful in my life? As well as the idea of recognizing and assuming that the person who's making a statement has considered your objection already has considered the caveats that you are impulsively wanting him or her to to grant. To charitably interpret is to assume the highest of intentions for that person making the statement and to let go of what I would call a dismissive mindset. So there's the learning and abundance mindset, which would fall in line with charitable interpretation. And then there's the dismissive mindset, which is how can I find the the whole in what I just heard? So when it comes to yeah personal growth, when it comes to new ideas, I think it's essential to have a meta-awareness about the art of charitable interpretation and asking yourself, what mindset am I taking? What active role am I taking in how I interface and interplay and interpret other words. So to get more meta, as you're hearing me speak on this podcast, will you have a meta program running that is aware of how you are interpreting the words that I'm saying, right? This meta awareness is super helpful in so many situations in life, right? So as you're listening to a podcaster like me, as you're listening to any podcaster, as you're reading a book, as you are reading a pithy statement on social media, as you are reading a quote, right? Quotes are a great example of this. You see a quote. What is your mindset in relationship to the quote? Is it a flexible mindset? Is it an open and abundant mindset? Is it a curious mindset? Is it a tell me more mindset? Or is it a restricted closed mindset? Is it a dismissive mindset to find the hole in that quote, to find the exception and therefore dismiss it, right? So I like to invite to people 
the possibility that you as the reader, as the consumer of the statement that you are hearing, you have a responsibility perhaps to engage with an active mind and a curious mind in order to participate in that conversation in a healthy and effective way. When I say responsibility, it's not, I don't intend to imply obligation, but rather, is there not a participation, just objectively speaking, that you have in the art of communication? When you hear a quote, when you hear a podcaster say something, when you're reading what an author says, is it 100% the, the author's responsibility to communicate in the ideal way that covers all caveats and exceptions? Or is it perhaps a dual experience of author and consumer, creator and consumer, podcaster and listener? Is it a dual responsibility for the, the communicator to, to communicate as effectively as possible so that his or her point can be received effectively the way that that person wants it? Like it is my responsibility to if, I, if my selfish goal is for you to understand me, it is my responsibility to communicate in an effective way so you can best receive it. And, 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 is it also the case that you as the listener have a role in the experience of understanding the information? Am I, in other words, am I, to, to take a, a little metaphor here, are you the dependent child as a, a one-year-old child that would need the, the parent to feed the food into your mouth, right? Or are you an adult who is an equal playing field and you get to volley back in your own thinking, you get to have an engaged active mind in how you are interpreting the words I'm saying to better understand the ideas and be at that highest level of maturity and self-actualization, right? So... Okay, so I've sort of riffed there in a more abstract way. Let me just invite you to pause for a second here. Maybe you notice your breathing and notice any voices in your head that want to chime in that maybe you want to be dismissive of what I'm saying. So I'm inviting meta-awareness here. Maybe a voice of you that wants to that wants to point a finger at me, that wants to call me a name even. It's okay. It's okay if you have those voices. That's just a manifestation of our experience growing up in our unhealthy culture, right? When a shame, blame paradigm. I mean, a lot of this goes back to, for example, the siblings where we get in these sibling rivalries and we get into the mindset of you need to be right and the other person needs to be wrong. And it becomes this battle. Even the idea of debate. There's an opponent. I was listening to a debate last night in a podcast. It's really, it was really valuable podcast, but there was still this, this subtext of this is my opponent who has the other side of the debate and there's, someone's going to win. Um, so we have this win-lose paradigm, which creates, and we get attached in our identity to our arguments. So anyway, I'm inviting meta-awareness before I proceed for you to become aware, if you would like, as an invitation, aware of any voices in your head or feelings in your body that come up. But yeah, I mean, the art of charitable interpretation, I think it's a more fun way to, to live. I'm, by the way, I'm going to concede that I'm still practicing and learning how to, to gain this skill in a fluent way. It is very easy for me to forget to be more curious when I read someone's message to me that I might have an impulse to 
a part of me wants to dismiss, right? And to not take the words that I read or hear on face value and assume that I know the exact objective meaning of those words. Because the, the, the truth is that people's meaning in their communication, their intention in their communication is what matters most. And the words they choose are a means to an end to try to convey concepts. And so the meanings of words is so often contextual, right? So I'm not saying there's no such thing as objective truth. Before anyone has that objection, let me communicate that. One plus one equals two as an objective statement. Now, I would say that there are almost, there are very few purely objective truths. And so the vast majority of statements and quotes and pithy statements on social media and people's arguments and perspectives and opinions and pieces of advice in the self-help world and podcasters making this claim. And most of these platitudes are dependent on context and how you interpret the information in the words. So for example, if someone were to say, it's healthy to not have expectations of other people in relationships, let's just take that in. The, 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 the quote or the, the advice is, it's healthy for people to not have expectations for people in relationships. When you let go of expectations of others, you are free and you no longer have this disappointment or frustration because the person's behaving a certain way because you let go of your expectation of them. Okay, so we just take that statement and idea. What my invitation to you in this podcast is, is to take a statement like that and embody the art of charitable interpretation. So can you find exceptions to that statement? Yeah. And can you find how it's true? I would say it's not 100% objectively true. And so the question is, what's your relationship to, to the information you're hearing? So Derek Sivers is, is working on a new book called Useful Not True. And he's been riffing on this lately in his, his writing. And he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast this year talking about this. And I love it. I love it to say, how can you find where the statement is useful? Or if it's not useful, then just let it go. But when it comes to these, these, these platitudes and advice and so forth, especially, what's your mindset? Because you could say in one sense, this idea about expectations of others is true. In another sense, it's not true. So expectations, let's just say how it could be helpful. Oh yeah, if you are expecting that your friends are going to meet your social needs for you without you making effort, you might be setting yourself up for frustration is you're depending on your friends to take care of your social needs. You're expecting your friends to call you, but you never ask them to call you. Or if you're in this sort of all or nothing mindset where you're placing the burden on your friends to, to meet your needs, then you could be setting yourself up for frustration and resentment from them as well. Now let's look at the other side. How could it be not true that this idea of letting go of expectations, maybe there's room for healthy expectations. For me, I value growth mindset. That's core to my values. And so for my most intimate relationships, one thing I would expect is the other person to engage in some sense of self-reflection and being in some sort of process of personal growth so that 
we can grow together here in this journey. If they don't want to do that, then they're probably not going to be my close friends. They're not going to be my close friends group. Not for long. Because that's so core to me. They might play a, they might play a different role in my life, and that's fine. They might just be in that second tier of friendships or something like that. My point here is that if it's evident to me that the person is not self-reflective and growth-minded and taking responsibility for their own growth and so forth, then if that person falls short of that expectation, then that, that has gravity for me in how I choose to interact with them. If I didn't have any expectations, then I might not have, I might not have um, the, the flourishing life that I desire. Okay, now let's step back a bit. You might have voices in your head. They're like, wait, expectations. What does he mean by that specifically? What about standards versus expectations? Okay, great questions, right? So this is where we get back to the meta-awareness. Because as you're listening to me, as you're thinking about ideas, it's so, what, what's your mindset? Are you getting curious? And are you in a yes and mindset or a yes but, a yeah but mindset, right? So this stuff gets super subtle pretty quickly. So as you're in the moment in conversation, to have a mindset of tell me more, what do you mean by that? What does he mean by expectation? How could it be true? In what sense is the word expectation to supply here? This is, this is everything. Um, Naval, he talks about, he had a great tweet a few years back. He said, if it hurts, find the truth in it. If it comforts, find the lie in it. So it's sort of this meta, meta pithy tweet asking you to step into this mindset. It's like of sort of a growth mindset, basically. If you hear something and it kind of hurts at first, are you going to be dismissive or are you going to be curious and try to find the truth in that? Similarly, if someone's making a statement that confirms your worldview, how can you shake that up and say, well, wait, maybe what's the, what is the exception for that? So I know this is, this is generally this podcast so far has been made fairly abstract, but I hope you're finding value and playfulness in, in this level of sort of meta, meta thinking. This is what makes me come alive in so many ways is, is riffing on this type of nuance. So if you stuck around this far, then you must have a philosophical mind. I'm guessing you have a curious and agile mind that, that likes this type of sophistication if, if, you, if you will. Because um, that's literally what I'm inviting here is to get into a, a higher level of thinking that engages flexibility that... Uh, Another way I like to think about this is walk the tightrope between polarized truths. <laughs> there could be a statement that has that is both true and not true at the same time. It depends on in what sense you mean it. It's not literally a contradictory statement. It can't have contradictions. You can't have opposing actually opposing truths in the objective sense. But you can have seemingly opposing truths when you define it in different senses, in different ways. So this comes back to the art of charitable interpretation. How are you viewing something? And let me just kind of, let me sort of um, tie this to personal growth in a psychological perspective. So if, if, you, if you see, if you read a piece of advice and you want to dismiss it, well, can you become aware of your body? Can you become aware of the part of you that feels guarded, Right. Maybe it's something I said in the previous episodes about the possibility for humans to have new paradigms 
and to literally, from the ground up, create new principles and premises and interpersonal dynamics that's based on wholeness and trust and authenticity and creativity and to let go of these systems of top-down coercion, all this stuff. Like, do you have a part of you that's like at all guarded and then is wants to say, oh, Joel's being idealistic. <laughs> right? So that's that, that I get that, by the way. I, I, I literally receive that response from people when I start to share big visions. My invitation is, are you aware on a psychological level of the part of you that wants to say that? That wants to say, Joel is X, Joel is in the clouds, Joel's idealistic, that can't work for this reason and this reason. Oh yeah, that sounds nice on paper, but we're living in a real world here. My invitation is for you to become in the present moment aware of the body and the part of you that might feel something in response to my convictions. Can we actually pause and slow down and become somatically aware? Is there a party that feels guarded who then makes that type of um, response? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not open to being challenged, right? I'm open to feedback, right? I want to know how I might be off trail, right? I want to know how I can be more clear and I absolutely want to be 100% connected to reality. But are you aware of, uh, of the part of you that might feel guarded, for example, or annoyed or apathetic? And then it's like, that's the invitation for personal growth and healing. Because what's underneath that part? What's the fear? What, what beliefs does this part of you have? So this integration of philosophy and psychology, right? Like, are you making philosophical claims without being tuned in to your psychological biases? Are there parts of you that are wanting you to stay safe because of unhealed childhood experience that then causes you or influences you to make philosophical claims to defend a certain worldview? This is why I think it's, as I said, I believe in the last episode, yeah. At some point, philosophy cannot continue if we don't integrate psychology because we'll just fall into these cognitive biases. We'll fall into confirmation biases, status quo biases. We'll fall into these traps of all or nothing thinking, for example. But if we, if we can actually let go of our attachments to, to these sort of, these parts of us that, that want to dig our heels in, right? And actually be curious and open and, and non-threatened by new ideas. Non-threatened by new ideas. Let me, let me piggyback on, on this in terms of the, the example about me making statements about uh, new paradigms. Similarly, like, let's take the idea of optimism. So maybe a pithy statement you hear is, I mean, it's, 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 it's valuable and powerful to be, have a positive mindset. Uh, optimism is, is the best choice. Pretty simple statements, right? So the question is, are you meta aware of, of how you're interpreting those statements, right? So art of char charitable interpretation would be, for example, would be if, if I'm saying optimism is the, is the best choice, is the best mindset versus pessimism, right? Or it, I'm, just making, I'm just making an assertion that it is valuable to be optimistic. I'll just call it that. If you were to, charitably, if you were to charitably interpret me, you would assume that I have already considered the objection 
that optimism is not being realistic. That's just like a simple low-hanging fruit example of this. I'm making the claim it is valuable to be optimistic if you were in a charitable interpret in a mindset of charitable interpretation, you are already granting that I'm wise enough to understand that most people have that initial objection that what about being realistic? You need to face reality. You got to look at the truth. You don't want your head, head to be in the clouds. I mean, those are quite, quite like common, dismissive, impulsive responses to the idea of optimism, right? So I, I believe if you want to be in a sophisticated, mature, self-actualized mindset when it comes to discourse and, and taking in ideas, can you grant me that I've already considered that objection? Oh, you grant that. Oh, now it gets a little more interesting, right? How is it true then? What could Joel mean by his claim that it's valuable to be optimistic? He's already considered, oh, maybe let's just assume he's already considered that it's important to be grounded in reality and the facts. Oh, well, in that case, how could he be onto something here? How is this useful? How is this true? When is this true? What does he mean by that? I want to know more. That's what I'm getting at with this, with, with this episode. That can you invite a, a mindset for how you interface with information? especially in an abundantly, an abundant information age in which we find ourselves, right? Or are you going to be in an automatic default mindset? And I understand where that might, might come from because you want to be an independent thinker. And so there could be a fear that if you grant what I'm saying could be true, then you will be um, just salvaging and releasing your, your autonomy of thinking. But can, what if you can, can just suspend and entertain curiosity to better understand what I mean and trust yourself to be, able to, to be able to integrate information that could be new or challenging. You can integrate it without doing it blindly. Like, can you get curious to really understand what the person's saying? And the, 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 um, it, it, it's not the case that if you are being inquisitive about what that person means that you actually agree with them. You're just trying to understand what they really mean. But there's almost a fear in many of us that if we actually were to even try to understand what the person means, that, that, mean, that means you agree with them. That means you want to support their position. So the idea of optimism, how could it be true? When it comes to optimism for a vision for humanity, if you grant the premise that I've already considered that it's essential to be tuned to the facts of reality, <laughs> now we get into higher level thinking. What does, he, what does he mean by that? Oh, and then if I could allow myself to elaborate, I would say that, well, is choosing, choosing your thoughts and choosing to have a vision for what's possible for your life and, and the lives of, of your fellow humans, is that not part of being realistic? Is that not part of being realistic? Isn't that completely in the, um, within the facts of reality that humans have the ability to choose thoughts and have convictions and create the future? This is what humans have been doing, actually, for many, many millennia. The Wright brothers had a conviction that it would be possible to fly. Can you actually imagine that? Being in the, the pre, like being in the 19th century, 
when no human has ever flown before. And now there's two dudes and they're like, we're going to fly. Can, can, you, can you put yourself in the shoes of the average person like who heard that statement? These guys are trying to fly, right? But because they had in their mind the conviction and the dedication and the vision and the desire and the perseverance, they created a new, they had a breakthrough for all of humanity that's changed and transformed the entire future of humanity. So is that not part of reality to be able to say, I'm going to choose that I believe is possible to create this new paradigm. I'll leave it at that, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.